Okay. Good morning. Uh, welcome everybody back um, from a weekend. Um, okay. So today's the whole day with me, huh? Wow. <laughs> Scary. Uh, okay. So just to give you very quickly uh, an outline of the day. Um, because today, we will, by, by the very end, uh, you will also, that's the idea at least, you will also have some time to finish, I think, the presentations you were doing on Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe half an hour by the end of the day. Louder? Okay. So half an hour by the end of the day, then um, uh, you will have some time for that. But before that, today we're going to do the following. We're going to start with a brief introduction to multidimensional stochastic dominance. Then uh, we will have another, uh, another lecture on um, some rank robustness methods and also some dominance for the Alcar-Foster measures. Then uh, Sabina had asked me to, to do a brief discussion of the computation of standard errors for the Alcar-Foster family. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then after that, if there, is, sorry, if there is time, we will have an exercise on dominance. And then after that, if there is time, then <laughs> we will go back to the presentations. So that's basically the outline. So we'll see how far we go. Okay? Okay, so we're going to start today with a very brief introduction to multidimensional stochastic dominance. Um, here the idea is that, uh, that you grasp uh, the basic concepts. Um, why, oh, there's a speaker. So why uh, we care about uh, dominance. Um, you know, the basic ideas behind, we will look at, by the end of this lecture, some ways of testing for dominance. But it's very introductory, really, because this requires a bit actually more time. But then at least the idea is that you should have a basis for you to go to the texts or to the papers and actually be already familiarized a bit with the terminology and some other things so it wouldn't be that difficult from the beginning. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, and also just to say that uh, this is, you know, this is a lecture that um, has been going on um, for a couple of years that we've been doing um, the summer schools. Of course, it has been improved. But I guess the idea was that um, these topics of dominance and robustness uh, keep uh, coming up um, in the analysis of multi multidimensional analysis of well-being because of the problem that uh, when we have multiple variables, and we have uh, these uh, measures that have a lot of parameters. The changes in the parameters on the variables and so forth may affect uh, rankings or analysis of changes over time. So it seems that a lot of people care about these techniques. Um, I, will show you, um, I will show you some of the things that these techniques can do, but also I will warn you about the limitations. I don't know if you, uh, some of you are familiarized with multidimensional stochastic dominance. But those, for, those, uh, for those who are familiarized, you should not be surprised or you, you will be aware that most of the applications are usually with two variables. There are a few applications with three variables, but one would ask, why not uh, 10 or whatever, you know, like, because we can measure well-being, for instance, with a lot of variables. And I think I found, I mean, there's like an explanation for that, uh, and it's related to the limitations of these techniques. But it still can be used under certain circumstances for several variables. It's not that it cannot be used, but we will discuss part of that. But this is a work in progress. The whole area, even though it's an old literature, but there are still things being uh, worked on. 
there are still people publishing papers on this, okay? It's not settled, especially testing is also very much in flux. But um, what this has been used most, these techniques are for unidimensional dominance. Because in unidimensional dominance, it's a much simpler world, it's much clearer what you have to do. Uh, there are a lot of applications in finance, for instance, okay? But multidimensional is also a branch of the literature. Okay, so <coughs> basically what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, I'm going to show you the logic and how to derive dominance conditions for multivariate settings for several variables. Then uh, we will look at the association between the concept of multidimensional dominance and complementarity substitutability between the variables in the, in the way they contribute to total well-being, that is. Then we will, I mean, we will be doing all this analysis in terms of well-being, but then I will show you why this is also relevant for poverty measure. This is one very simple slide that shows you how all these conditions are relevant for poverty measurement as well. Then I will, I will give you an, an illustration, an example of one test of stochastic dominance that is actually proposed for, for one variable, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it can be expanded for several variables, so I think it's proper to mention in this context, although it has not been generalized yet, but I'm, I think it's straightforward to generalize it. Anyway, okay, so let's introduce this topic by looking at some important a contrast between unidimensional and multidimensional dominance. You saw unidimensional dominance for in the poverty context already, right? With Suman, right? The first day, right? Okay. The interesting thing is that, um, I mean, I, I don't know if you are familiar, but originally stochastic dominance conditions were devised to, um, to order, to rank, and to ordinarily rank, meaning just to say this is better than something else, as opposed to by how much. To ordinarily rank lotteries. It was, it was thought in the context of uh, financial yields. Okay, you had a distribution of yields of an asset, okay, and then against another asset. And these techniques were meant to tell you whether, or, or income sources, okay, and they were meant to tell you which one was better, okay, not by how much. This is very important. Dominance. It's about ordinality, not about cardinality, okay? It's, it's, it's a method to rank ordinarily, to say A is better than B. It will never tell you by how much. If you don't know by how much, you have to do sensitivity analysis. And we, we have not yet been doing sensitivity analysis for the analysis of Alcar Foster, and that's why in the summer school we don't teach it, but it might be the case that in the future we may start teaching sensitivity analysis, which involves more looking at the derivatives of the composite indices and so forth, but that's a different literature. Anyway, going back to dominance. The idea was how can we rank uh, distribution, say, of income and yields? So the idea was, in a sense, to look at uh, an evaluation function, something that maps from the incomes that you receive to some function that evaluates how good they are. Like, for instance, in economics, it could be like a utility function, okay, or a, or a well-being function, okay? So. So this is the context in which originally they emerged, but then people who were working on well-being, on poverty and inequality realized that these uh, conditions could be used also to uh, evaluate, uh, the, let's say, um, social situations, the distribution of income in one society versus distribution of income in another society. So we will, uh, the question we would ask would be whether this in the income stream would give more social well-being than this other income stream. Okay, then of course it, 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 it raises the question, but how we measure our social well-being? 
So, in, so this is where we reach at the core of what dominance conditions means. And what they mean is the following is dominance conditions work on distribution. So when we talk about dominance and we say uh, there is dominance, we say that some given distribution dominates another one. And when that happens, what it means is that the distribution that dominates gives more well-being than the other distribution, and this is the key, for a wide range, for a wide class of well-being functions. So there is a class of functions involved, okay? And that class of function has characteristics that are related to the conditions. What do I mean by characteristics? For instance, it's uh, that it's increasingly monotonic, meaning that if, if you increase the income of one person, the well-being of the society increases, okay? Or maybe it's concave, meaning that the ability of income to increase well-being decreases with more income. So it's still, it's still positive, but it goes with a, with a uh, slope, decreasing, with a decreasing slope, okay? So these are, of course, the characteristics that this broad range will have will depend on the dominance condition itself. This will be clear, I will show you with some uh, uh, precise illustrations, with some equations, you will see how these characteristics of the well-being class relate to the dominance condition itself, okay? Don't worry, I'm just introducing, but you will see it very clear on the screen in a few minutes. But anyway, the point is that then stochastic dominance conditions applied in the way I mentioned to well-being analysis provide an extreme form of robustness for original comparisons. When these conditions are fulfilled, okay, when distribution A dominates distribution B, then a comparison, say a poverty comparison, is robust to a broad range of parameter values and families of indices. It could be poverty indices. The well-being function that I was talking about, the social well-being function, could be a social poverty uh, index, like the Alcar-Foster, precisely. Okay? <laughs> In other words, imagine we are doing a comparison, an MPI comparison, and we are worried that if we change the weights of the dimensions, then the ranks of two countries may switch. Then the idea will be that we could perform dominance analysis on the distributions of well-being of the two societies, and sometimes we may be able to say, look, the distribution of Canada dominates the distribution of Sierra Leone. Therefore, actually don't worry about the weights you choose. You, you will always find uh, more poverty in Sierra Leone. You see what I mean? This is the type of conclusions you can draw from dominance conditions. Okay? Of course, an interesting thing is when dominance conditions are fulfilled, you do not even need to compute an index if you only care about ordinal comparison. You don't even need to compute the index because it holds for a broad range. But if you care about cardinal comparisons, then dominance is useless. It's, it's not answering any question that you care about. Also, if you care about ordinal comparisons, you compare two countries and you do not find dominance, then it means that the hard choices that you usually have to do are still there. You still, in other words, in order to rank these two countries, you need to choose parameters, you need to choose indices and so forth because the comparison depends on them. So you see, so these are the three situations. One, when, when we care about original comparison and dominance holds. In that case, that's fantastic. We don't even need to compute an index if that's what we care about. Then, when we care about original comparisons and dominance does not hold, in that case, sorry, you have to make tough choices and the ranking will depend on your choices. And third, we may care about cardinal comparisons, in which case, forget about dominance, don't even do it. Okay? Make sense? 
Of course, in rank analysis, usually we, we care about ordinality. So dominance is relevant in that case, when you want to look at ranks, for instance. OK, so multidimensional dominance, obviously, is relevant for evaluation functions. And when I say evaluation functions, I mean a well-being function, a poverty function, and so forth. Evaluation, social evaluation. Huh? That map from a multivariate space. In other words, that they are a function of many variables. Okay, for in the, the index of well-being, etc. Now, in unidimensional dominance, as you learned uh, a few days ago, second and even third-order dominance are interesting. Can be interesting, relevant as much as first-order dominance. They have a lot of meaning. However, by contrast, in multidimensional dominance, second and higher orders are not that easy to interpret especially when you have three, four, five, six variables. So we will not look into this, because you, 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 will, you, the, you will have that the, pro the characteristics, the properties of the class depends on, on the derivative of, of the, the cross-partial derivative of the individual function with respect to uh, the first variable twice, the, uh, twice differentiated, and the second and the third, it's a mess. Nobody understands what this is meaningful for, so we will not go into that. Forget about it. Nobody does that. That's one of the reasons people don't do it because it doesn't have any meaning. By contrast, though, in multidimensional dominance, other things matter. For instance, in the case of the joint distribution of the variables, what we care a lot is about the simplest cross-partial derivative. How variables complement or, or hamper each other in the production of well-being. If I increase more, like for instance, we will care about whether in our social evaluation function we want income to increase the effect of health and well-being or the opposite where they substitute each other okay so those are the kind of things that will emerge in first order multidimensional stochastic dominance which is the one we are going to focus on okay so far so good so far we are okay please interrupt me if there are questions okay good so, as I said, we're going to review the derivation of dominance conditions and extend it to multivariate settings. We'll focus on first-order dominance and first bivariate distributions. So we will derive the respective conditions. This is what most of the literature has done. Okay. Then we will discuss the, briefly the logic behind some of the conditions and their connections to complementarity and substitutability. Then we will have a slide on how these conditions are relevant to poverty assessment. And finally, we'll briefly discuss how to test these conditions. Okay. Um, so before before we reach um, before we reach uh, this item, we will be thinking about well-being and uh, not poverty. Well-being, uh, well-being measure, some like utility, something okay, social well-being, okay. And then when we reach the that point, then we will think about how we can use it for poverty. It's very straightforward, really. Okay. So let's have a look at traditional dominance condition with one variable, and then let's see how we can uh, very easily extend this to multiple variables. So imagine we have that uh, well-being function, W. I mean, I should remove the x, sorry. I, I should have just W. You don't need the x there. On the right side, though, you need the x. And, and the important thing is that W is a social welfare function. Social, the W. And the W is a simple sum of those u's, the ux is an individual well-being function. It's an individual, it's a one person's function. So what we're doing is, we're doing a very simple utilitarian way of adding up 
the individual well-being is yours, 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 and we have the whole classroom well-being function, okay? Yeah? So the class of families for which these conditions may or may not apply will be defined by the characteristics of the you, of the individual function. Because the social function is just a sum. And as I told you, please, this x, the x on this side, delete it. Oh, I should delete it. I should have forgot to delete it. It should be there. Okay, so the x is here. And of course, df is a, is, is a differential of the cumulative distribution. This is basically little f times dx. Okay? It's just the integral, the sum. Okay? Because there are different populations that have different values of x, right? You may have the lowest x, then you have the next x, the next x increasingly. And that gives a, a value of u, a value of u, a value of u, and it adds up, right? Okay? Okay, so what we do in traditional dominance conditions is we integrate, we integrate this sum by parts. If you remember when you took calculus, remember integration by parts? Yeah? So what you do is really simply integration by parts, okay? And then what's going to happen is that then this, in this sum, this integration by parts, this, uh, this bit, will be equal to the sum, or several sums, of the product of products, sums of products. Now, what are those products? Those products will have two factors, factor, you know, two factors. One factor is going to be uh, a function of a cumulative uh, distribution. Sometimes it's going to be the cumulative distribution itself or a sum of the cumulative distribution, like the cumulative of the cumulative, or more, depending on the order of dominance. And the other factor multiplying it is going to be a derivative of u. So it's a characteristic of the function. For instance, the first derivative with respect to x1 is going to be a characteristic in the sense that if that derivative is positive, means that x1 contributes positively to well-being. It's a characteristic of the class. But sometimes, what you're going to have, one of the products could be, for instance, the cross partial derivative of x1, x2, and the other factor multiplying it is going to be, for instance, uh, the joint cumulative distribution of x1 and x2. So that's what the sum ends up being. So there you go. For instance, in the simplest case, if you integrate this by parts, some things will cancel out, but then you will have this expression here, you see? So this is, in this case, we have one sum of, of, one, pro of one product, right? Well, there are several products of sum, but it's one, one integral, I mean, right? So here we have the first derivative of u with respect to x, as I show you, multiplying the cumulative distribution. Now, what this, okay, I should have explained what these deltas are. This delta is the difference between w in society A minus w in society B. It's the difference between two groups, okay? And the same applies on, on this delta. This delta fx is the difference in the cumulative distribution of x for society A minus the, the, the same thing for B. Because we're comparing. It's about comparisons. A versus B. Dominance is about pairwise comparisons. Okay? Of course, then you can do dominance a, 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 for, for several countries, but every time you take two countries at one go. Okay? And you look at the whole, at the robustness of the whole ordering. So, how do we read the condition? The condition is already embedded here. How do we read it? So we read it the following way. We say W 
sorry, the delta W is positive, meaning there is more well-being in society A, right? This is or weekly positive. Let's you could you could do it strict as well. Okay, weekly positive. For all well-being functions characterized by increasing uh, monotony or by monotonicity, meaning by the fact that the well-being attribute actually increases well-being. That's what we we're saying. That people like X. Okay. So characterized by well-being functions in which people like this thing. If and only if the cumulative distribution in A is never higher than the cumulative distribution in B for all X. Okay? This is the conditions that you saw with Suman. But instead for poverty, it's for well-being. But can you relate to this? Can you relate it to what you saw? But this is the important thing. So it's very important that you are aware how you read dominance conditions. First, in, in, in the literature, the dominance condition always applies to distribution. So, so the, dom the dominance is about this, is about this element. Okay? It could be the cumulative or it could be a cumulative of the cumulative if it's second order, or cumulative of cumulative of cumulative if it's third order. But it's always applying here. However, you cannot just simply stay here. Then you have to understand what, what's behind or, or what, what is this implying or is implied by. And what it implies is two things here. First, that when this holds, when this distributional condition holds, then well-being, social well-being in country A is going to be higher than country B. For a broad range of, of well-being functions, individual well-being functions. Because as we said, what we carry is individual well-being functions because the social well-being function is a sum of it. And individual well-being functions are uh, characterized by certain features. In this very simple case, there is just one feature that matters, which is monotonicity, which is very obvious, which basically means that people like X. Okay? Or people don't dislike X at least. So far so good, yeah? The multidimensional variation or the multidimensional extension of this is in the same spirit. It's just that instead of having X, we're gonna have X, Y, Z, W, okay? So we're gonna have monotonicity, but we're gonna have also other properties, in particular, complementarities or substitutabilities, okay? Okay, I mentioned this. Okay, this is where A and B appeared, sorry. <laughs> you see? So if you move here, if you move FB to the left side, then you have the definition of delta W, okay? With delta F. But the same for applies for W. Is that clear? Yeah? Uh. Yes. Sorry? That equation, the condition is then this one. Delta, yeah. Yes. You want me to say it again? Yeah. Sure. We're saying that. The condition it reads as follows is well social well-being in A is no lower than social well-being in B, because we have higher or equal here. For all individual well-being functions characterized by or such that uh, more X uh, does not decrease individual well-being or increase if you want to make this strict, okay? Or people like X, if and only if. So in other words, this statement is going to be true if and only if the cumulative distribution of X in society A is never above the cumulative distribution of X in society B for all values of X. Is it clear now? Yeah? Okay. 
We can always go back if necessary. Okay. So now two variables. So what's going to happen with two variables? With two variables now we have. Oh, you see here you have to add an y. Sorry, sorry for that. We have the well-being function, the social well-being function, and we are summing over all the um, all the individual utility functions or well-being functions that should depend. Bless you. Should depend not, not just on x, but also on y. I, I, I forgot that. I, I missed that bit. I'm sorry. And this is the, the density function, the joint density function of x and y. And these are the two differentials. So it's your run-of-the-mill integral, right? For two variables, right? So you're, you're, you should be familiarized with this, hopefully. So now the interesting thing is that now because we have a joint density, we can integrate using either the cumulative function, the big F, or the survival function. And for those who have never heard of the survival function, I will explain what that means in a minute. Don't worry. When we have one variable, you can also integrate with the survival function, but you get exactly the same results. And it's really silly. I'll explain to you why. Because what's a cumulative distribution function? Is, is, is the probability of having a given value of x or less. That or less, right? The survival function is defined differently. Is the probability of having a given value of x or more. So when you have one variable, it's easy to see that the sum of the cumulative distribution and the survival function should be equal to? One, one exactly. However, this is not true when you have two or more variables. And you can see how you can maybe do graphs and, and realize that. When you have two variables, the, there is a connection between the two, but it involves the marginal distributions. Don't worry, we won't go into that. But anyway, the point is that because there is no a direct connection between the cumulative and the survival functions with several variables, then when we want to integrate by parts, we actually do have two choices, either to integrate with respect to the cumulatives or to integrate with respect to the survival functions. And why do we care? Because you get two different sets of conditions from each choice. Whereas in the case of one variable, you get the same condition. It doesn't matter. It's silly. Okay? So let's have a look at what happens if we integrate this well-being function with respect to the cumulative or, or using the cumulative functions. We get this thing. Aha. Uh -huh. Looks nice, huh? You like it, no? It's a work of art like Vermeer. Look at that. It's wonderful. OK. How do we read this? It, it, I, I, I really, for me, it's very important that you don't see this as something threatening, you know, the opposite. Yes, question. Say, repeat. Yes. Yes. Accounting like 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 the Alcar Foster, for instance. Yes. Exactly. In the case of poverty. Okay. Ah, that's a very good question. But you are anticipating a whole lecture. <laughs> now we're just looking at social. Welfare functions, the one you saw uh, uh, in your classes if you took economics or, or finance or something back in the day. In the next lecture, we will see whether and to what extent we can use these conditions for counting functions. 
Very good. We will. We will look because Alcar Foster is a counting function. Uh, this, are, are you aware of what the difference between the two functions are? Accounting function is a very specific type of well-being function in which you add, you, you do a weighted sum of, of, of well-being attributes and, and if it's a poverty function you compare it against something or you just leave it like that. So it's a specific type of social well-being function. Here we're being very generic and we are not necessarily doing countings, okay? I just mentioned it because she mentioned it, but um, it will be clearer in the next lecture. Okay, let's go back to this thing. I, wanna, I, re I really want to, you know, to, to, to make you comfortable with this. I'll try the best. Okay, for this element is very similar to the element we saw before for one dimension. We have the partial derivative of u with respect to x multiplied by the difference in the marginal distribution of x, so the, the, the superscript x here, that is on my, uh, next to the little hand, the superscript x, denotes that this f superscript x is the marginal distribution of x. It's not a joint, it's a marginal, okay? So this, 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 this element is very similar to the element we just saw in the previous slide, right? Can you see the similarity? Yes? Now, the next element, because you see this, 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 uh, this change, this difference in W is integrated or, or divided into three sums. Minus this thing, minus this second thing, plus the third thing. So look at the second thing. The second element is very similar to the first element, but instead of having the derivative with respect to X, we have the derivative with respect to Y, which is multiplied by the difference between A and B, the two countries, in their marginal distributions for y, okay, it's the same thing. And then finally, we have this final element in which we have, this is the sum of, of this product in which the two factors are first, the cross partial derivative of the individual utility function or well-being function with respect to both x and y, we have two variables, so that's, that's the only cross partial derivative we're gonna get, right, times the difference between a and b in their joint densities. Okay? Now, what type of condition could emerge from here? I'll show you in a second, but before, I want to show you the second alternative, because here, we integrated by parts this thing, on this side, with respect to the cumulative functions. In other words, we integrated by parts in such a way that the cumulative functions, fx, fy, and f, appeared. We did it in purpose so that they would appear. But we don't have to do that if we don't want to. There is an alternative, which is to do the same integration of this thing here on top, but with respect to the survival functions. And we get this. So, as you can see, they are very similar to the conditions that we I showed before. But now notice the horizontal bar on top of the f, x on top of the f, y, and on top of, the, of this joint. These are the survival functions. So fx bar is not the probability of having x or less, but it's the probability of having x or more. Okay? Yeah? And this is the joint. The joint survival function says the probability of having a value of x and a value of y of a given whatever, or more of either. So it's a whole, it's over a, an hyper... Uh, an hypercube, if you want, an hyper, but well, it's not, a, it's not close, but you know, like an hyper space, right? 
Okay? And of course, as I mentioned, notice the appearance of the cross partial derivative in both alternatives. Okay? And this cross partial derivative, it's a feature of the class. It's going to be a feature of the class. It will determine whether x and y are what it's called Alep complements or Alep substitutes in their combinations, in the contributions to u. Okay? What is Alep complementarity and Alep, Alep substitutability? Well, first, Alep is an acronym. Yes? <laughs> okay. So we have four conditions that we can read, that we can uh, uh, derive from the, from the two previous equations, from the two previous integrations. First, a condition for monotonically increasing functions with Alep substitute arguments. In other words, a condition for use for individual functions that have positive uh, first derivatives with respect to x and y, in other words, for, for, for people who like x and y, and for Alep substitutes, in other words, for negative um, cross partial derivatives. Now, I will show you the condition right now. I will read the condition, and then I will go back to the equation to show you how it appears. Okay? So the condition is the following. The condition is the well-being in country A is going to be higher or, or not lower than that in country B for a class, for a class of U, for, for a whole class of individual well-being functions that are characterized by the following, uh, the following characteristics. First, they are this, this bit, look at the, this derivative, they are monotonically increasing with respect to x or y. This little i means that this could be x or y. In other words, that the first partial derivative with respect to x is positive, or non-negative at least, and then the second, so, sorry, and then the other first partial derivative with respect to y is also positive or at least non-negative. So far so good? Yeah? And then the, 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 the third uh, characteristic of the class is that there is Alep substitutability. In other words, that the second, sorry, that the, the cross partial derivative is non-positive. Okay? I'm, being, I'm using weak conditions, but you could make them strong if you want. So this will be true if and only if this condition applies. And this condition says that all the cumulatives of A cannot be, uh, cannot be higher than any of the other cumulatives of B for all X and Y. So for instance, you see this is why the, the three are with a minus or equal. Because, oh, in other words, the marginal density of x for A is never above the marginal density for x in B. The same with y. The marginal density of y in country A is never above the marginal density for y in country B. And finally, the joint cumulative distribution of x and y in country A is never above that of country B. So when these three distributional conditions, these three, hold, then this and only when they hold, this statement is true. In other words, well-being in A is always higher than well-being in B for a very broad class of individual well-being functions characterized by these features with respect to their partial derivatives. Basically, monotonicity and Alep substitutability. That's one condition, okay? Now, how does it appear? Let's go back. Let's do the cumulatives. The idea is the following. Look at this. Imagine, first, that 
so let's say that imagine that the distributional con the these differences in con in distributions are always negative that the joint and the marginals of a are never above those of b so it means that this uh, this bit here is going to be negative right this df here is going to be negative and this one too right so what do we need in terms of the derivatives here in order to make the left hand side positive or at least non-negative. What do we need here? First, what, what sign we need here? We need positive, right? Exactly, because then this negative with this negative here become a positive. The same applies here, right? If we said in the beginning that this is negative, then what do we need here in order to make this positive no matter what? We need this to be positive too because then we have negative times positive times negative, right? And then here, this is a, there is a positive at the beginning right here, and we have a negative here, that's what we posited. Therefore, what do we need this to be? Negative. That's how the condition emerges. Very simple. Okay? And of course, the, the interesting bit about here, the beauty of this, is that what you really need to do is you can't, I mean, you can't test this with empirical tests. You need to test whether this happens in reality. And once this happens, because of the, of the condition that we used before, then this condition is true. We don't even need to choose the actual u. You don't need to choose it. It's going to be true no matter what you choose, as long as this holds true. That's the beauty of stochastic dominance. That when they hold, and, and, and for, for it to hold, you just need to check the distributions, the cumulatives or the survival, etc. When they hold, you can, you can, you can unambiguously express that the well-being is superior in one country with respect to the other for a huge range of families. But these ranges, these specific classes of families will vary depending on the condition that you are testing. So this is one condition, but there are four, okay? <clears throat> I will show you the other three in a second, but just to let you know that one of them stems from two previous ones, so they're all connected, so it's not worry, oh, four conditions, one is already difficult, no, 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 no. Actually, they're all related in a nice way, so it's not gonna be that bad. Okay. So this is the first condition that we drew from the first integration that we did, which was with respect to cumulatives. Now the second condition is going to stem from the integration that we did using the survival functions, okay? But before I show you that, this is a very interesting detail, which is very important, very, very good, uh, very handy in practice. Notice that in practice, it, it suffices to test that the joint distribution, that the, the joint distribution in A is never above that in B to ascertain that well-being in A is higher than B. In other words, if you want, you, you, you just need to focus on the joint. Can anybody tell me why? Um, think about it while we, oh no, we will still have video, right? Five minutes. Okay, can anybody tell me why before we change the video? Why by testing just on the joint we can prove the condition. Can you compute a marginal distribution from a joint distribution? Yes or no? Yes. How? By integrating. If you integrate the joint distribution of x and y with respect to y, you get the marginal of x. Therefore, you know, therefore, and let me go to the, uh, to the condition, therefore, if if we prove 
that the change in f here, that the difference in f is lower than 0, by implication, we prove that the difference in fx and fy is also lower than 0. Because fx and fy are functions of the joint. Because you can always compute a marginal distribution by integrating a joint distribution. Make sense? Yeah? This is very important in practice because it means that sometimes in practice, instead of doing three tests, you just need to do one. And if it doesn't hold, if, if, if you don't, cannot prove uh, that the joint uh, uh, is lower than zero, that the difference in the joint is lower than zero, then there's no dominance. And if you prove that there is, then there is dominance because it's a sufficient condition. So it's wonderful. It means that in practice, you don't need to do three tests, just one test. Huh? How good is that? Huh? It's great. Okay, then there is a second condition. This second condition is derived from the second integration, the one that works with survival functions. But it's the same logic, huh? The same logic. Now, we are considering individual functions whose cross partial derivatives are non-negative, like positive or zero, Alep complements. So the, the function reads the same. The well-being in A is going to be at least as great or greater than B for all individual well-being functions characterized by monotonicity with respect to x and y, which is this bit right here. As I said, I just brought the little i to signify that it could be x or y. And characterized by Alep complementarity if and only if the difference in all the survival functions, the marginal survivals and the joint survivals, are higher or equal to zero. In other words, the survival functions of A are never below those of B. Okay? And again, by the similar argument before, in practice we only need to test the joint survival because you can always compute the marginal, uh, the marginal survivals from the joint survival. It's the same logic as before. Yes? I don't understand why here you have to use um, marginal survivals for the condition. Why? Ah, because it comes from, uh, from the second integration here. But why do you have to use marginal survivals in this case? Well, it's not that you have to. It's, it's like w when, you, when you have this function here, this one, mm -hmm. you have different choices about how to integrate them. So you can use either this or the... Yeah, it depends on what class of, of, of individual functions you want to have. Okay. It, it depends on, on uh, when you want to say that W in A is higher than in B, for what utility function, for, for what well-being functions you want it to be. If it's for Alep substi substitutes, only for Alep substitutes, you use the, 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 the cumulatives. If it's for Alep complements, you go for, make sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. But then again, the condition, the second condition that I just mentioned stems again from this, from this uh, integration. Again, imagine that all the, mar all the joints, sorry, all the survivals are positive now, okay? Positive, positive, and positive. So what signs do we need on the derivatives of u in order to have delta w positive? Here we need this to be positive. The same as here. So monotonicity has to hold. It's for monotonic functions, right? And then what about the cross partial derivative? Should it be positive or negative? Positive. So we have positive time positive time positive. So you see? That's how it is. Does it look simpler now? If it does, it's because it is. I mean, it's a lot of inter integrals and variables, but once, once, once you get used to it, once you reflect on it for five minutes and do you know, some, you know, you meditate a little bit, it becomes really trivial. I mean, it's easy when, when you work on that. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I, I really want to convince you that it's actually easier than you think. That it's not that difficult once you realize. The difficult bit, for me at least, is to do the integration, to go from here 
to here. Because here you have to remember really well how to integrate by parts, and it's a little bit a pain in the butt if, if you're a bit rusty on it. But after you do it a few times, as I have done, then you, 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 you develop the flexibility. It's like oiling the bicycle again, you know? But that's the, really the challenge. Once, once you have the conditions, then it's just about interpreting, about playing around with signs. Positive, negative, negative, positive, right? And making sure that, that things make sense. For instance, if you, if you want to have this positive in your condition, then these other two should also be positive. Otherwise, they, they cannot happen. It's impossible that you will have the joint cumulative or the joint survival, in this case, positive, the chain, the difference between the two countries in, in, the, in, in, in the joint be positive, and then the difference in one of the marginals be negative. That's impossible. That's why the conditions work, in a sense, with, uh, with, co with coherence, in, a sense, in the sense that if the joint cumulative is going to be negative, the difference, then the difference in the joint mar in, in the in the sorry in the marginals has to be negative too. Why? As I said, because of the simple fact that you can always compute a marginal distribution from joints. So if all the joints are negative, then the marginals have to be negative. Yeah? Make sense? Okay. This is important. This means that there is even though there are conditions, there is a limited number of conditions you can get. Okay? Not 20 million. Uh, okay? So that's the second condition. Okay? Now there's a third condition, okay? And this third condition is for monotonically increasing functions with Alep neutral arguments, with Alep neutrality. What do we mean by Alep neutrality? What I'm pointing with my hand, basically that the cross partial derivative is zero. That an increase in x does not affect the contribution of y, the marginal contribution of y to well-being and the other way around, okay? That's Alep neutrality. So you see that the third condition can also stem from any of the two integrations that I showed. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. But the condition is the following. A change, sorry, not change. The difference in well-being in A with respect, uh, sorry, well-being in A is higher or not lower than B for all individual utility functions that are monotonic with respect to X and Y, like here, and are Alep neutral if and only if the marginal cumulative functions for all variables are never, of, of, of A, are never higher than those on B for all X and Y. So what's the interesting bit here is that the joint distribution disappeared. The joint distribution of X and Y, the cumulative in this case, is not necessary anymore. Okay? Now, what are the implications of this? First implication is that here you don't have a choice, but you need to test on every marginal. On every single marginal you have to test, because there is no sufficiency condition based on the joint distribution. How does this occur? How does this take place? If you go back to the conditions, for instance, the cumulatives, if we are saying that the cross partial derivative is zero, then what happens with all this third element? It becomes zero, right? So then we have a condition on the change in W that is just the sum of these two elements, right? And these two elements are functions of the marginals, not of the joint. You see? You follow? That's why the condition that we derive with Alep neutrality, and only with Alep neutrality, depends on the, sorry, on the marginals, but not on the joint. Because the joint ceases to be relevant once we make this cross partial derivative equal to zero. Yeah? Now, what are the advantages of this? Well, there, there is the good and the bad on this. First, 
The bad bit is uh, we're not saying anything about how the two variables relate to each other, of course, right? Secondly, if for whatever reason that's what exactly you want, you don't want to have any interaction between the variables, then this becomes very simple in the sense that you only need the marginal distributions. If you have a real life data set, you do not need even the, the, the same variables to come from the same people. Huh? Interesting. You can have it from two different surveys because you don't need the joint distribution, right? It's the opposite of the Alcar Foster method or the opposite of the MPI, right? More like the HDI if you want in a sense, right? You only need the marginals. And the marginals can come from any good representative survey. It doesn't have to be the same survey, right? Okay, so that's the third condition, okay? The first condition was on cumulative distributions and the Alep substitutes. The second condition was on survival functions and Alep complements. Now we have a third condition that is on Alep uh, neutral arguments and on marginal cumulatives. Now I have a question for you. What would happen if instead of, of using uh, the cumulative marginals here, the marginal cumulatives, I use the, mar the, the marginal survival functions? What would happen? Can I, can I write this third condition, but instead of using the cumulative distributions, use the marginal, sorry, the, the, the marginal survival functions? Can, can I put a bar on this? Yes. Yes, yes or no? Yes. yes, absolutely, very good. But what should I change? Excellent, the sign, exactly, fantastic, very good. So, in, so I, could, I could have the same condition, but with a bar here and another bar here, and I should flip the, the, the sign. Why? Because if we go to the survival uh, functions here, the, the second integration, we're doing Alep neutrality. So this cross partial derivative becomes zero. So this whole thing goes away, bye bye. So then I have this change in W depending on these two. And if I want the functions to be monotonic, which is like the minimum, right? You want people to like X and Y, otherwise why are we talking about this at all? then this sh thing should be positive or at least not negative. Hence, in order to have the left-hand side positive, more well-being in country A, we need the marginal, the difference in the, ma in the, in the marginal survivals to be positive. Right? Make sense? Yeah? So in other words, if we're having Alep neutrality with this equal to zero, we can also write the third condition, but instead of using the, the marginal cumulatives, we can use the marginal survival functions by noticing that if we want the, the, the condition to apply to, 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 in, to use to individual uh, welfare functions that, are, that react positively with respect to changes in x or y separately, then you need this element to be positive too. Because this is going to be positive, this change in u. This one is going to be positive. And then you need this one to be positive and this one to be positive. And here, there should be a positive sign here that I, I missed, sorry. Here it should be positive, right? Okay? But there's a second reason why that it makes sense, which is that remember that when we have marginal distributions, right, with respect to only x or only y, that there is a clear relationship between the cumulative and the survival. The cumulative of x plus the survival of x is equal to 1. So that's why we can use either the cumulatives here or the survivals. 
Okay? But I left it in terms of cumulatives because it's what you will usually find in the literature. But you can do it with survivals. It has to be the same result because this mechanic, the, the, the relationship between the survival and the joint. When you have one variable, but when you have two or more, it's not mechanic anymore. There are many other things that enter, so forget about that. Okay? Okay. So this is, I mentioned this. So it is necessary now to test for each marginal here in the third condition for Alep neutrality. And finally, we have a condition for all individual welfare functions that are monotonically increasing. Now this is fantastic because this is the most stringent condition, but it's the most powerful condition. Why? What, what, do we, what, what, what are we saying here? Is that there is a condition that stems, actually this one stems, this one stems from the two integrations that we did at the same time. This is the most difficult one in the sense that you need to test for more things, but it's the one that when it holds, it gives the most robust, the strongest comparison po possible. What's the condition? And, and I will, we will explain the logic. The condition is, well-being in country A is higher than in country B, let's say, for all individual welfare functions characterized by monotonicity. Notice that, what happened with Alep, Alep stuff? What happened with the Alep? It went away, right? What we're saying is that it's for all functions that are monotonic. Those that imply Alep substitutability, those that imply Alep complementarity, and those that imply Alep neutrality. All of them. It's a super stringent condition. It works for every type of function, if and only if, all the cumulatives, all the cumulatives, join and marginal, all the cumulatives in A are never higher than in B, and all the survivals in A are never below those in B. So when the conditions on the cumulatives and on the survivals hold simultaneously. When they hold simultaneously, we have a, the strongest bivariate first order dominance conditions that we can have. They apply to all well-being functions, all well-being functions you can think of. The only thing you need to say about the well-being function is the elementary thing that people like X and Y, which is the, the derivative there. People like it. Otherwise, let's not talk about this, you know. But imagine, it's so strong. And of course, you can imagine in real life, this is very difficult to, to test in the sense that you will find very few pairs of countries that will hold this. So this will be Denmark versus Liberia. Yes, boom, you will find it for two variables. Or you will find, you know what I mean? Or you will find Canada versus uh, Namibia, yes. But then if you want to do Argentina versus Chile, ah, this will not hold. Because uh, Chile will be better in income, Argentina will be better in education, and they will crack. You know what I mean? They will cross, there will be crossings on the, on the cumulatives and the joints, and it will be a mess. But this is the strongest condition you can imagine. But remember, from what we mentioned, is that it is necessary and sufficient to test only on the joints, on the joint cumulative here and on the joint survival here. So in practice, when you have to test this in practice, you only need to test two distributions, the joint uh, cumulative and the joint survival, because of what we said, because the marginals are functions of the joints. So if the condition holds for the joints, they must hold for the marginals, okay? Yeah? 
this is very important. I, I emphasize it because in practice, it means that you only need to test for these two things. In the case of the fourth condition, which requires the two. But in the previous conditions, in the first and the, and the, first and the second conditions, you only need to test for one thing, remember? Whereas in the third condition, though, you need to test for as many you have you need to test for as many conditions as the variables you have, because for each variable you have a marginal, and you have to test for each marginal. That's for number three. Only for number three, you need to test for every marginal, no matter what. You have to test. You cannot skip that. You have to do it. Whereas in number two and number one, you need to, to do one test on a joint. Number one is joint cumulative. Number two is joint survival. And then finally, number four, you have to do two tests. You can have 10 variables, but you do two tests. Well, sorry, but 10 variables is a bit more complicated because actually forget about what I said. Even if you have, no, 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 it's, uh, there's other, we'll talk about that, I was anticipating, sorry. You have the two variables, but even though you have two variables, you have to do two tests in, in, in number four. Joint survival and joint cumulative. But it's just two because otherwise it would be six tests. You see the six conditions here? So you would think, oh, I have to test for six things. No, you just need two, okay? Joint and joint, okay? So far, so good. These are the conditions. Okay, so that was a bivariate case. The bivariate case, as you can see, is very neat. It has very wonderful conditions. It's first order. It has second order too, but as I said, second order gets messy because the cross-parcel derivatives become huge monsters and we don't know what they mean. We're just afraid of them. You know, you, we don't look at them, okay? But you can find some secondary conditions in some of the literature I mentioned in, in, in the new reading list that Terry is going to send you at some point, in the new one. Okay. But then, and you will see also in the literature that most people are happy to work on bivariate. Some of the best papers, like Duclosen and Younger, with a different framework, but the same ideas of complementarity, susceptibility, blah, blah, blah. They all work with two variables. Ah, so fine and nice and everything. And there's a reason for that, because the moment you have even just three variables, it becomes a mess. I, I'm studying that at the moment, so I really don't know yet why exactly, but I, I, I just discovered because I had a paper in which I, I found a mistake, and I realized the mistake was because there is an oddity that happens with three or more variables. And surprise, surprise, in real life applications, you find up to three variables, rarely beyond three. But there's another reason for that, which is, you know, I, I, I work on that, on another paper on that, it's because it's very difficult to stack up the, anyway, we can talk about that later. But, um, let me now briefly, because I think uh, until here, this is, I mean, if, if, you, if you got this bit, I'm very happy. Or, or I mean, or if you're in the process of getting it, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. But if you, if you manage to absorb that, that's already oh, excellent. But now let, let us venture a bit beyond into more difficult waters. Let's see whether we can generalize these conditions toward many variables. Huh? It's a bit dangerous, okay? So, what happened? So, can you integrate by parts functions like the one I showed before, but functions like this one? Can you integrate by parts this, but instead of x, y, x, y, z, blah, 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 a, b, c, blah, blah, of course you can. And, and the nice thing is that it, it's, all very, it, 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 it's all very harmonic, like the, the functions <coughs> that you get have a very nice symmetry. Okay, so the moment you get it, how to do it for three or four, then the rest is just following a pattern, uh, like a series. So you can, and what you will find is that the conditions in first order, this is all first order, huh? the conditions will depend on all the cumulative 
functions you can get, all the combinations of cumulatives, or all the combinations of survivals. But not just any crazy combination, combinations like this. All, for instance, all the, um, all the marginal survivals. Then all the, all the joints, for instance, uh, of all the pairs of variables. Then all the joints of all the trios, right? Then all the joints of all the quartets. But the key is, because it's first order dominance, never repeating a variable in the quartet, say. So it's variable 1, 2, 3, and 4, but not 1, 1, 2, and 3, no. Because if you do 1, 1, you're in second order, okay? But forget about it, we're not looking at second order, okay? But you remember in second order univariate, remember that you have to differentiate with respect to the same variable again, right? But forget about that. So anyway, the point is that all the cumulative and survival functions, all the joints appear in the conditions, okay? So as I said, they include all the marginal distributions and all cumulative and survival joints up to the, the, the broadest joints that you can get, the broadest <coughs> cumulative joint and the broadest survival joint that involves all the variables, x, y, z, but never repeated. So x enters once, y enters once, and so forth. Because you can do other joints when x enters twice, right? You can see that, right? No, sorry, actually, no. No, that's in the derivative, sorry. No, in the joints, that cannot be done, so it's fine. All the joints whatsoever, all the joints appear, okay? All the, joint fun all the joint cumulatives and all the joint survivals, okay? Now, in the case of the cumulative distributions, so in other words, we're gonna get two integrations like before. One for cumulatives, but for 20 million cumulatives, and another integration for 20 million survivals, okay? So in the case of the cumulative distributions, the, the signs of the cross-partial derivatives of the functions for which the conditions hold change in the following way. So because the, the thing is that the, the conditions for the cumulative distributions will imply that all the differences in the cumulatives should be negative, like before. So then there will be, neg in, in, the, in the sums of the products, there will be negative dfs, delta fs. So then the question is, what should be the sign of the use, of the derivatives of the use? So the sign for the cumulatives is going to be like this. u little y, which is the derivative of u with respect to i, which could be x, y, or z, is going to be positive, so this is monotonicity. Then uij, which is the, the cross-partial derivative with two variables, is going to be negative, Alep substitution. And then this is the oddity. Then we will have ijk, so u with respect to i, j, and k, is going to be positive, and then negative again with four variables, and so forth. So they're going to be changing side. All the, all the odd cross-partial derivatives, meaning all the derivatives of u with respect to an odd number of variables are going to be positive. Whereas all the cross-partial derivatives of u with respect to an even number of variables, like u with respect to x and y, u with respect to x, y, w, and z, will be negative. So that's how the pattern is going to arrive, okay? Now, in the case of the survival functions, it's gonna be simpler. All the signs of all the derivatives of u are going to be positive, okay? So then, the thing is, if we want to have the equivalent of condition four, the last condition, in which both conditions for the cumulative and for the of survival hold at the same time, if we want to have that, then what's going to happen is that there will be a condition, like ima imagine that we, we find that uh, 
that the joint cumulative distribution in A is never higher than that in B. And the joint survival function in A is never below B, the same like number four, uh, but for 20 variables, what's going to happen is that then well-being in A is going to be higher than in B for all individual well-being functions whose odd cross-partial derivatives are positive or at least non-negative, meaning all the derivatives of u with respect to an odd number of variables, with one variable, three variables, five variables, seven variables, are positive. So this is where you can see already that this is not much helpful anymore. Because what does it mean that the third derivative here, this one, is positive? Do you know? I don't know. It's not useful. And this is one of the reasons why, in my opinion, the literature, especially the empirical literature, dies here like, like horrible death. Because we really don't know, or at least I don't know, but I haven't seen yet how to progress from here beyond. In terms of testing, yes, it's not difficult. I mean, I mean it depends on, uh, as long as you have a lot of data, you can do it because when you have a lot of variables, you know, you have this, the so-called curse of multidimensionality. You need to have a lot of observations in each box, in each box. But that's not a problem. That, this is fine. This is healthy. The problem is that is, what do we do this for? Because when we move beyond um, two variables, the conditions become at least a bit meaningless. So then how do we solve this problem? There is a way to solve this problem in some cases, so it's not that helpless. It, and it is by, we have to put more structure in the family <coughs> of use. We have to say more things. For instance, things <coughs> that, that, uh, uh, that can enable us, for instance, to, to make this zero, you see? You see what I mean? We need to put more structure. Like if we actually, and this is a bit related to your question, actually. In that case, actually, we could actually set this to zero and see whether we can get another condition and then test it. So there are a few conditions that emerge that way, and we were going to discuss them either now or later. Um, how are we doing with time? I think we're a bit overboard, right? But we started late, though. How are we doing with time? 10.30 already, right? But we started like 10 minutes late. So is it OK if we go a few more minutes? Yeah? OK. So let me show you, because we have limited time, I want to see whether I should show you this bit or whether I should show you. OK, yeah, no, I'll continue with this. I will show you, <coughs> we will quickly discuss the relationship between um, Alep, the Alep property, and the dominance conditions. And then I will show you how to um, apply dominance to poverty measurement, and then we can call it a day. Then if you want, I can show you also how to test it maybe later in the day if you want. Um, but for the moment being, uh, let, let's finish with this. We will, in the next class actually, we will look at how to put some structure on this bit to make dominance conditions for several variables useful, but we will do it in the context of the Alcar Foster. Okay? But, uh, okay. So first, first point before we finish, so I thought it would be interesting to discuss briefly, first, for instance, why the conditions on cumulative distributions are associated with Alep substitutability and the conditions on survival functions are associated with Alep complementarity. I don't know if you find that interesting or not. For me, it was interesting, and I really don't have the right mathematical answer. I have a, a bit of intuition. Of course, there is 
a straightforward mathematical answer, which is, well, just go to the two integrals that I showed before, the two integrations, and you will see why they are related, because of the products, they have to add, you know, multiply to have to be positive or negative. But that's not intuitive, it's just mechanical, right? But we want to have a bit of flavor, what's going on? So this is my attempt, because I, I actually haven't seen... I mean, if you read Tony Atkinson, he probably explains it well, but you have to read it 20 times the same line until you get <laughs> the, the intuition. So this is my, my attempt at, at the intuition here. So first, let's have a look at Alep substitution and, and the fact that, in that case, the difference between the cumulatives has to be negative, right? The, the cumulative distribution, the probability of having x and y or less in A, in country A, has to be uh, lower than in country B, right? Or not higher than in country B. Okay, so imagine this situation. We have two values for x here, xl and x high, uh, or an xh, x low and x high, and then we have yl, y low, and y high, okay? And okay, imagine that we have two, we have two people. We have individual A, so it's not a country, it's a person now. Okay, individual A has, has a bit, has a, a small amount of both. And then individual B here has a high amount of both. Okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to, to make a transfer of Y between A and B. So B is going to be give Y to A. So B is going to end up, sorry. So B is going to end up here with little y, and A is going to have higher uh, y, okay? And what we're going to compare, our comparison is going to be the initial situation before the transfer and the final situation after the transfer. And we will ask whether well-being should increase or not, okay? Is that clear what we are exercising? Okay. So the idea then is the following is, if, so notice that the amount of x don't change. Okay, so the idea is, if we have, if we make that transfer, how should well-being change? Okay, imagine, for, imagine two things for the example to be more precise. Imagine maybe that either, either the contribution of y to well-being does not depend on the initial value of y, like the second derivative is zero, right? or that the change between IL and IH is not that big. Imagine one of the two situations. In other words, the change in Y itself, of course it will affect individual well-being. One person now is richer in Y than the other, but it will not affect so uh, social well-being because the amount, right, has not uh, changed really socially, okay? <laughs> However, imagine though, imagine though that the contribution of um, so how is it? So imagine though that the contribution of um, so Im imagine though that the um, how was it? I don't, don't want to get confused. Imagine okay. Imagine though that there is Alep substitution between x and y. Okay. So in other words, if um, if we have, okay, yeah, yeah, there, this is it. So, in other words, if we, so the question is whether, because there is a left substitution, whether even though, even though the amounts of Y didn't change, right, I mean the total amount of Y didn't change, whether the transfer changes well-being or not, okay? So this is, this is the idea. 
So, so the question is, so if a high amount of x, a high amount of x reduces the marginal impact of y, then look at what's going to happen. In principle, the marginal impact of y or the impact of y on total well-being will depend on the amount of y that change for each individual, but also affected by the amount of x that each individual has. Okay? So the amount of y that changes is the same for both individuals. It's just that with different sign. One increase, the other one decreased. Okay? So now what's going to happen is that if there is a left substitution, this increase in well-being in individual A due to the fact that he received y is going to contribute more to total well-being than the loss of well-being inflicted on individual B. So there will be a net effect which is going to be positive because of Aleph substitutability. Why? Because individual A has a lower amount of x. Does it make sense? Yeah? So the net effect mediated by Aleph substitution is going to be positive in this case because of this transfer that we are exerting. Okay? So in a sense, uh, and where, 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 where is the, the cumulative distribution entering the picture now? What's going to happen is that uh, classes of social well-being functions that are characterized by Aleph substitution will favor distributions uh, over other distributions that have fewer people with joint deprivations have fewer people who have a little bit of everything. Or well, for everything they have, it's a little bit of. Okay? And then you could, of course, you could, for instance, you could do, uh, you could compute here in this very simple uh, case using the, 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 the blue dashed lines as separators of values, if you want, if it were discrete. You could compute the, the cumulative distributions for, for the two cases. And you will see that, um, for instance, if you look at, what percentage of the population initially had both uh, YL and XL? Or 50%, right? One person had, right? Whereas in the, in the new situation, it's uh, zero, right? Then if you look at another cumulative distribution, what percentage of the population has uh, less than XL, ir irrespective of Y? In both cases, it's 50%, right? You have one people each, right? The same if you do this one, this... Um, if you do this one, right? What percentage of the population has AL or less? In both cases, is 50%. And then obviously, what percentage has less than everything? Well, it's 100% below the, all the range. So in other words, the big difference between the two situations, the two distributions, the ex ante and ex post, sorry, the, yeah, the before and after, is this A, right? Okay? In other words, one of the distributions has more people who are jointly destitute or have, have, a, uh, have a old, uh, all low values of the variables at the same time in the same person. Okay? So this is the connection, in a sense, between Aleph substitution and, and, the, um, and the cumulative distributions. And of course, what's going to happen is that what, is, what will be preferred, as illustrated in this example, is a distribution like A and B star, in which even though you do not have any person who is rich in everything, because one is rich in y, but not in x, and the other way around. So there is some substitutability, you know, in other words. 
you can be poor in something, but if you're rich in something, okay, that's good. So that's going to be better than a situation in which you have people who are destitute. Okay? So that's a bit the intuition there. Okay? And then Alep complementarity is exactly the opposite. Okay? In Alep complementarity, now imagine the original situation was the situation in which people had, like, if you were rich on Y, like, like this person A, you were poor in X and the other, the other way around. And the question is, what happens if we make a, trans a transfer that increases the association between the dimensions. Now, well, now A is going to be Y to, X, uh, to, to B, right? And B is going to get Y. So what's going to happen is that B is going to be rich in both, and, 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 and A is going to be poor in both. So in that case, what's going to happen is that with Alep complementarity, um, now um, social well-being now is going to increase. It's the opposite. Why? Because the gain by B is going to be stronger than the loss of A. And why? Because there's complementarity. They reinforce each other. Okay? The, the X and Y reinforce each other. Okay? And then you can do also, so basically what's going to happen is that then what, uh, what, what's going to be favored with Alep complementarities are distributions that have more people who are richer. Even if they have also poorer people, but the, ri the richer people will be favored. So you can again do the same comparison, compare the, the, the survival, joint survivals between uh, this distribution and this distribution, right? And you will find that, uh, so you can do it, you know, the, the survival has to be compared from, from the origin. So then if people who have XH or more, YH or more, or the joint more. But what you will find that the big difference between the two distributions is that the B star has 50% of people who have AH, AH and XH or more, say. Okay, that, that, that will be the main difference between the two. Okay? But again, the idea will be that distributions that are characterized by complementarity favor societies in which there is more richer people, people who have more, a, a lot of everything, Right? And how we capture that? We capture that with the survival function. Because survival function tells you people, you know, the joint distribution, people have a certain amount of everything or more. Okay? So does it make sense? Does it make a bit more sense how this, this, this works out? And then let me finish. Finally, and this is going to take one minute, how we can apply these conditions to poverty measurement. Because so far, we've been talking about well-being, but most of this workshop, uh, sorry, summer school and everything is about poverty. And the answer is very simple. Look at, uh, at most poverty functions, social poverty functions, how they work. First, they are what is called additive and symmetric across individuals. Okay, so basically they are usually averages of individual poverty functions. What is the poverty function? This, right? Make sense? That's the individual poverty function. So your typical poverty, social poverty function is an average. So it's additive and it's symmetric, right? Mm -hmm. And another thing we know is that higher poverty is worse. When the big P is higher, we are not happy, right? And then, of course, there is monotonicity. <coughs> but the monotonicity works differently. Because if we have more X, we are saying that X should not increase poverty, whereas in the previous case, if we had more X, X should increase well-being. But you can see already, because high poverty is worse and because monotonicity has the sign 
flip about, then the only thing you need to do is to define the welfare, the well-being function as the negative of the poverty function. And all the above mentioned conditions apply to poverty comparisons as well. OK, so finally, le le let me just wrap up here, as I said. So as we said, if we define the, the, pover the social poverty function you know, uh, as minus poverty, then you get a welfare function. Right? Because what happens if we put this minus, for instance, on this side? So we get first that then this derivative becomes positive. right? And of course, if you have higher poverty, yeah, it, be, it, it, it means lower W, right? This is very simple, I hope. I hope this is very simple to see. It's like minus times minus equal plus, right? Because higher poverty is worse, but monotonicity is negative, OK? So if we increase x, then well-being has to increase. It doesn't matter whether we measure well-being as usual or whether we measure well-being in terms of poverty, which means to apply a poverty line and cap the distribution. Right? Which that's what actually poverty means. You don't use the whole distribution, really, right? Boom. But what I wanted to show simply here is that all these conditions we've seen, that you can apply to the HDI, to the IHDI, to a lot of well-being functions, can also be applied to poverty functions. So in the next lecture after the break, we're going to use these conditions to look at some dominance conditions for the Alcar-Foster method. And they apply to other forms of poverty functions as well as long as they have these properties. They're additive and symmetric gross individuals. Basically, they are the average or the sum of individual PN, little PN, PN, individual poverty functions and monotonicity and all that. OK, so I think you deserve a break. Uh, I know this was not an easy ride, but uh, you know, I have to learn how to teach this better because <laughs> it's not an easy topic. Mm -hmm.